trainers to the Tips for Treats Dog Training Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Weininger, a CPD TKA that's going to help you along your training journey by diving into some of the learning theory and strategies that I and other pet professionals use to help people and their pups all over Houston. Whether you are an impending dog owner, looking to mix up your existing training routine, or just want to know more about what it's like to work with dogs, there's something here for you. This week, let's dive right in and talk about management. Management in the context of dog training, we're talking about managing the dog's ability to engage in behaviors that you don't like, managing their access or their freedom, essentially managing their ability to make choices that I would rather them not make so that you can guide their behavior into a better direction and form better habits over time. So what does all that mean? Well, like we've mentioned before in a couple of our episodes, dunk training is about forming strong, good habits over time. Even asking a dog to sit or down or go into their crate is really about getting them to do it so many times that it just becomes habitual for them. Sitting rather than jumping for attention is about forming that habit. Getting a dog to go outside and go to the bathroom is about forming that habit. Just like with people, when we want to form strong habits, we set ourselves up for success. If I want to wake up at a certain time, I set an alarm. If I want to take my medicine right when I wake up, I put it right there by the bedside. If I want to remember to plug my phone in, I've got to remember to leave a charger right there. And so I want to do the same thing for our dogs, right? If I want to help our dogs make better choices over time and form those better habits, I've got to help set them up for success. And there's a common theme of proactivity here. And that rather than waiting for the dog to make that incorrect decision, I'm going to make that correct decision look so favorable and so desirable and perhaps make it look like the only option on the table so that the dog is more naturally inclined to make that decision and make that choice. And that then in turn gives me an opportunity to reinforce a voluntary choice that the dog is making, as opposed to constantly having to cue the behaviors that we like. Maybe we can now make those positions or those acts so favorable that the dog offers them on their own. And in doing so, affords more opportunities to then reinforce voluntary choices. And so the snowball continues. So you see the fixation is not so much on, again, catching them in the act or even trying to make those undesirable behaviors so uncomfortable or painful or aversive to the dog that they choose not to do those. I would rather just make the desirable choice so good. And like I said, maybe make it the only choice so that if they make that choice five times, you know, they'll probably make it the sixth time. If I can help them make that choice 10, 15, 20, 25 times, again, it gets to a point where the dog is most familiar with that choice. So then when presented with the option to make other, you know, less favorable choices, they're more inclined to choose the favorable one. That's how you can see dogs able to distinguish between the plush toys that you know, they can play with versus maybe the kids toys that 
are just stuffed animals and look just about the same. So then you ask, what tools can I use to help manage a dog's access to the behaviors that I don't like? Some easy ones that you probably already have around the house. A crate, a leash, a pet gate or a baby gate. You probably have some stuff built into your house, you know, just doorways having different rooms or, you know, different areas of the house that you can kind of physically manipulate into creating uh, a dedicated space for the dog or blocking them off into the, you know, sectional couch area, those kinds of things where I'm limiting the amount of space that they have access to. That's the basis for all three of those tools, right? Is just limiting their ability to get away from you, get too far from you, and stop your ability to then interrupt those unwanted behaviors as I see them. Not to be discounted is changing your existing environment, right? Too often are we pressed with questions about how to stop dogs barking at the window at the front of the house. And the first answer that most dog trainers will give is, can you block that window so that they can't see out through it and see the things that they want to bark at? And in most cases, the answer is, yes, I can lower the blinds or I can put something in front of the window. And just by doing that, just by cutting out the access to that window and to those triggers, obviously the dog's not going to be able to bark out the window. Another couple examples are, you know, very common. Uh, I'm trying to clean a mess up off the ground with a towel, or I'm doing laundry in the laundry room, and there's clothes, towels, socks around, and the dog is going after those those items while I'm trying to do laundry. In either of those scenarios, the dog is not effectively participating in that act and helping you clean up that mess or do that laundry. There's no reason whatsoever that they need to be a part of that activity and just have the ability to engage with that bad behavior while you're not able to interrupt and redirect that behavior because you're trying to get something done. And so whether that's you putting the dog in the crate proactively ahead of those activities ahead of doing laundry ahead of cleaning up messes um, or I'm gonna have a family member or friend have the dog on leash off to the side so that we can show them when presented with that same stimulus that they don't necessarily get to do that same behavior uh, and best case scenario that friend or family member is actively redirecting them into doing a different activity off to the side so that they're not over there fixating and that if you are putting them in the crate, we're doing so with purpose. Um, we're asking for our crate cue, throwing a treat in there to make sure that going into the crate is not a punishment so much as just an indication of a loss of freedom, right? And a loss of access. And maybe we can give them activities to do in there so that, you know, for the 15 minutes or the 20 minutes that I need to take care of the laundry effectively, uh, they are maybe playing with a peanut butter Kong or a busy bone, something of that nature that's designed to last for that increment of time and kind of keep their mind off of being in the crate. The whole goal is that while they are doing that, they cannot possibly do the thing that you don't like. They will never mess with you while you're cleaning up a mess on the floor if they're just not around for it. And then once we have the ability to communicate with the dog more effectively, we can manufacture those kinds of situations and practice them in a way that teaches the dog exactly what to do in those moments 
so that when the real life moment happens, we're not scrambling to try and teach the dog in the moment, hey, don't mess, mess with me while I'm trying to clean up this mess or trying to you know, do this laundry. And like I mentioned earlier, having the person off to the side with the dog on leash doing different activities is one way to desensitize them to that same stimulus so that they don't feel the need to resort to the same bad behavior. It's no big deal to watch you clean something on the floor. I've done it a lot. And every time that that was going on, I got a lot of entertainment from doing other activities. And anytime I tried to engage with you, you interrupted me and redirected me to that or I was fully separated and lost more access. Considering the laundry scenario, I could have a baby gate right at the laundry door, or again, I could have somebody off leash off to the side. But the idea is that I'm there allowing them to observe that same stimulus without giving them the ability to engage in the behavior I don't like while offering and incentivizing those alternative behaviors so that in the future, they will be more open to doing those things instead. Same thing when it comes to managing the different types of toys or activities they choose to do with certain levels of freedom that we give them. So if they, for example, are loose completely in your house and you are one of those people that leave socks around and the dog eventually gets bored with the toy options that they've been given and they have the time to get to that point and find a sock and have the idea to maybe chew on that and they discover that chewing on socks is pretty awesome. There's nothing that's going to stop them from wanting to try that again. And so then we're faced with a situation where how do I stop this dog from going after my socks now that the dog realizes that socks are a good source of entertainment? Well, the first step is to make sure that as best as possible, there aren't going to be any more socks out available for the dog. And just by doing that, we would hopefully get a decent amount of distance between the different instances of the dog getting reinforcement from the activity of chewing up a sock. Separately, we could do the active training strategies of doing some desensitization activities nearby while we have socks around, practicing leave it cues with those items that we would prefer dogs to leave alone. But without having those effective management strategies in place where the the closet door is closed to make sure she can't go to the hamper. I'm making sure that all the socks are completely removed from as many places as possible. I'm probably going to be fighting it for much longer. When given that opportunity to be refreshed with the joy of chewing up a sock every so often, it's going to be that much longer before we get to a point where the dog stops thinking of socks as a source of enjoyment. No, your immediate critique might be, this feels awfully a lot like changing my life and changing my behavior in order to suit the dog. And you're right, it absolutely is. When we're trying to cohabitate with a dog in a home environment, the reality is, is that we've chosen to take an animal that is capable and naturally inclined of a lot of destructive and other unwanted behaviors that if we don't take the time to show them that those aren't as valuable or show them that there are areas and and toys and activities that they can do or that will offer at different times to give them that outlet then they will take any opportunity available and we don't want to make these changes with the intention of them lasting forever the idea is that we're trying to form habits and the best way for habits to form is 
that same act taking place repetitively and uninterrupted. And so by making all of these restrictions and putting them in place and changing my behavior in order to cater to this process in the short term, then I'm able to get to that end goal faster and I can relieve these restrictions and hopefully never look back unless something new or specific arises and I employ the same strategy. But especially in the cases of you know young puppies and new puppy owners, you know, the rate at which I relieve these restrictions is going to be directly linked to the amount of good behavior and the amount of good choices I see the dog making on their own. And I may relieve some of these restrictions in a way that's incremental so that I can at every stage make sure the dog is still making the right choices, even with that extra little bit of freedom that's been afforded. And so I don't want to go from, you know, having the dog go from being in a crate all the time to being completely free all the time when I'm gone. And the idea is that in that kind of situation, knowing that having the dog completely free in the house while I'm gone is my end goal, I'm going to maybe incrementally work towards that on those days where you know, I may only have to run out for one or two hours and I may even cut it down even shorter just to start 30 minutes. I'm just going to run to the, the gas station or something like that uh, so that I can get right back and just assess how the dog handled that extra freedom and the ability to make some, you know, different choices. I can also use a camera uh, on an extra smartphone or, you know, the many Wi-Fi cameras they have out there now uh, and some of the pet-centric ones where you can play and give them treats. I can use those in order to help. And I'm also going to manage the environment that I'm leaving them in. So I may move the trash can into a place that is inaccessible. I may double check to make sure all socks and laundry are removed from the floor. And I'm going to probably offer a lot of desirable choices in the hopes that the dog decides to occupy their time with those things that I've offered rather than actively looking for different things. Uh, and so that may be food puzzles and lick mats and sniffle mats and Kong toys, things that I know are going to probably occupy 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the item. Uh, also, imagining that the dog is hopefully going to spend a lot of that time sleeping while I'm gone. Uh, so that if there is waking moments, they're hopefully going right back to those choices that I've curated for them. And the examples really do go on and on. But the common theme is the same, managing the dog's access, freedom, and choices to engage in the behaviors that we don't like. It's really that simple to start with. <laughs>And that's all for this week. Just remember that you can always find me at trickfortreattraining.com, on Instagram at trickfortreattraining, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trickfortreattraining, all of those with the number four. You can find this podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe, sign up for notifications, and leave me a rating, as it really goes a long way in continuing to help me reach more people, and I always appreciate more feedback. Until you hear from me next time, I've been Stuart, you've been awesome, and thanks for listening to the Tips for Treats Dog Training Podcast.